I'm Leslie. And I'm Amber. And you're listening to The The Grim Grim Mystics. Everybody, this hello. Episode Sorry. six. Are we at six? I don't. I don't know. Under <laughs> it's under ten, above five. I know that much. All right. Well, we'll stop <laughs> announcing what episode number we're at because we might as well. <laughs> we're here. We're gonna be here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I had a little funny that I figured I'd share. Yes. Yes. So. Um, my voice, if it sounds a little wonky, I apologize. My dog Tucker has decided that in his old age, his bladder cannot last through the night. And instead of, it is a bummer. Craig and I are very tired (laughs) because this is the first week (laughs) where he's decided this. Um, so instead of being polite and whining or something on the floor where he sleeps, He has decided to come up to my side of the bed, kamikaze jump onto my throat and chest, and then use me as a springboard to launch himself onto Craig's back. (laughs) So he literally jumps on both of us in one leap. He just... There's mine. Again, always so vain. He just needs to make sure his needs are met. I think he's like, I will get one of them up if I do this. But he seriously has landed full body weight on my throat. I don't know how my my <laughs> trachea hasn't broken. <laughs> he's a big boy, so it's a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah he's our big guy. He's our big black oh. lab. Yeah, so I think I'm officially part of the Deeper Sexy Voice Club like hey, you. Hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> Just because it is like, I woke up the other day with a sore throat and had no idea why. And I oh. literally think it's because he's ju- he's done it four times this past week. Well, poor Tucker, but poor trachea also. <laughs> I send my condolences to your trachea. Thank you. So please, no comments if you hear it. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised nobody has said like, so it's a girl and a man, right? Like there's a dude on that other. <laughs> My throat is no. so raspy. So welcome to the club. It's good. Yes. Now people won't <laughs> be able to tell us apart. It'll just sound like <laughs> Leslie's talking the entire time. <laughs> Which sometimes I get going, you know, I'm a storyteller, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, man. So that's my little short story to get us rolling. Um, but are you ready to get started, Leslie? Drum roll. I don't want to drum roll because my dogs are going to bark and <laughs> we're going to try to be quiet this round. So, yes. Okay. So I wanted to tell you where my brain went and then I'll tell everyone where we're going on the map. Brain. So I saw a lot of good comments. Um, one of them was my sister-in-law who um, said Adolf Coors. Um, so then I was like, oh, maybe there was something going on in the family or, and then I kind of went, I don't know a lot about Coors because again, my husband works at Budweiser, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, maybe someone like had like a Wendy's experience where there was a thumb in the chili. Maybe there was what? a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember yeah, that? <laughs> no, as soon as I said what, I remembered. So I'm like, maybe there was like a body part, like maybe there were 
someone like murdered someone at the factory and put oh all the different goodness. body parts in the cans. And then I went real left field and I was like, well, what's in the Rockies? And I was like, Yeti. So I have decided Yeti is my guess. <laughs> That's a good guess. You said blue and yetis are yeah. in the cold and probably pretty blue. Yeah, no, it's a good good <laughs> guess. <laughs> but today on the map, you said we're going to Golden, Colorado. So please tell me <clears throat> what yetis can I find in Golden? <laughs> I mean, you you might be able to find some, but we had some uh, some of our l- listeners were correct, uh, Wendy Ooh. and Ashley was kind of on the right track. I mean. But Wendy oh. hit that hit that ball home. So <laughs> today we are talking about Adolf Coors the Third. Okay, and let's just start off. What an unfortunate name! I just yeah. Was this before or after the the really bad one? <laughs> so I looked into it. Yeah, he was born in 1916, and <gasps> Adolf Hitler didn't come to power until like 1928, 1930. Oh, so, so he had a whole little bit of lifetime where that wasn't yeah. a bad name. Oh shit! And he also spells it differently than the bad one. So we'll give him that too. Okay. <laughs> you still say it the same way. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, though every time. I uh, kept reading Adolf. I was like, Ugh. I know, right? It's, it sounds like a dirty word. Like you yeah. shouldn't say it. It does. It does sound. It's like Voldemort. Yeah. So, but I'll just, Adolf went by Ad. That was his nickname. Oh, let's call him that. Yeah. I said, well, that's what I called him in my notes. And that's <laughs> okay, what we're calling good. him tonight. So I like it. Okay. So um, sources on longreads.com, they had a part of a book called The Death of an Heir by Philip Jett. And it actually look, sounds really interesting, but like I didn't, I didn't Amazon. I, ain't nobody got time to read an entire book. I know you have, so like props to you, but I just, I, I, it just wasn't on my agenda. Um, I also read an article on the FBI government website, um, but there was no author listed, so just some FBI agent. Mm. Maybe as the one listening on my phone. I don't know. <laughs> Your FBI agent. <laughs> Hopefully he's nice. I hope he's nice. Um, Maybe he saw that you were researching this and he's like, let me write her an article real quick. Oh, what a little cutie. (laughs) Or she. I guess we can't assume what your FBI agents. I have a little crush on my secret FBI guy. I have him in my head now. All right. That's fine. Um, I also um, read a very long and extensive article on the 5280, which is a Denver magazine. Mm-hmm. And that was written by Robert Sanchez. I read an article in the Gazette, um, which was written by Stephanie Earls. An article in the Denver Post, which was written by Kevin Vaughn. And last but not least, there's a Forensic Files. So obviously (laughs) I watched that. (laughs) Can't read a book, but you will find a way to watch an episode on some show. (laughs) Forensic Files is only like 21 minutes. But also, I watch Forensic Files like before I go to sleep. So it's a quick, quick watch. Okay, crazy. Is that weird? Amber's looking at me weird. I just, uh, nightmares have been, uh, would have taken over my my sleep as well, so. You have nightmares too? Yeah, I, it's just like, I don't know. It, I'll be fine once I get more into it. Like, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. But like, I always turn them off at a certain time. With my research, I kind of sometimes go a little later into the evening than I right. do with the podcasts. And I think articles and stuff, they're more descriptive sometimes. So yeah, that's that's what's been getting me is de- descriptions and pictures. Pictures. Ugh, ugh. Well, I'm sorry. 
don't apologize we signed up for this it's fine i'll get over it we did <laughs> maybe one of these days they'll just be so like um i don't know maybe Numb i should to say it. that yeah, maybe i shouldn't say that but i don't know yeah i'll j- it'll just be like oh another another thing okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go perfect yeah. okay so let's set the scene for you okay On the afternoon of February 9th, 1960, a milkman was interrupted on his delivery when a station wagon was blocking the Turkey Creek Bridge in Morrison, Colorado. After honking his horn several times to get the driver's attention, he went to the car to find it still running with the radio on, but no driver was in sight. Mm. Thinking maybe that the driver had gone down to the riverbank, he called out several times to try to get someone's attention. After having no such luck, the milkman just got in the vehicle and moved it himself, so it was no longer blocking (gasps) the bridge. (laughs) Um, No! (laughs) Crime scene! I know! (laughs) Well, especially after... Okay, so the man noticed um, what he had described as a reddish-brown stain on the bridge. No! Come on, milkman. I know. Um, And he saw a hat down below on the riverbank. Feeling uneasy about the situation now, thanks so much for nothing, um, the man decided to notify police, and upon investigating, the police quickly identified the vehicle as Adolf Coors, or Ad, as we're going to call him, Mm -hmm. the third, the 44-year-old CEO and heir to the Coors Brewing Company. Whoa. I had no idea Coors had a scandal. Well, not a scandal, but like a mystery. I was I was honestly really surprised that people got this because I had never heard of this case until I guess I, I guess I should say to in my sources there is a my favorite murder episode about mm, this okay um, that I listened to when I was on dialysis but um, you know no hate no shame I love my favorite murder sometimes they don't do the most extensive research mm-hmm. and so I didn't listen to that one when I was re- you know learning about this mm-hmm. and I was on dialysis so I probably fell asleep <laughs> so but I will so I think maybe if anyone listens to them that's mm-hmm. maybe where they recognized it because mm. it was just something that I when I heard I was like oh that's super interesting and I had it saved in my notes mm-hmm. to like look into later and then when you approached me and asked me if I wanted to do this this was like my top three I wanted to do so <laughs> Oh, so we're getting like a top of the list and we're not even at episode 10. That's impressive. I know. Manners. <laughs> I'm doing all of my favorites. I don't know why. I, I guess maybe I should hold off on that. But no. I'm, I'm just doing all the ones that I yeah. love to talk about. Th- that's what makes it fun to research, right? Right. Yeah, they're my little party tricks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to talk murders with me at parties, but. If you do, I'm here. Yeah, I think I know 34 <laughs> subscribers that would. Perp. <laughs> Let's all have a party once we're all vaccinated and healthy. And we'll yeah. have a murder party. <laughs> well, no, not we're not going to murder each other. A murder um, conversation party. I don't yeah, know. Or if we get sponsored by that, bo- that murder box that people oh. on other podcasts talk about, we could actually have a murder party. That'd be so cute. Let's go to the library and do it. Yeah. I don't know why the library came to my head like first. Like Clue. Yes, that sounds so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> back, <laughs> back to my boy Ad. So um, I want to talk about his life before this incident because it sounds like he was just like a super great guy, like first and foremost. Aww. And unfortunately, this has like tainted his name. And so... 
you can't really find anything about him without finding this case. Oh. And it just makes me sad because he's he's the victim in this and, you know, he he had a wife and he had children and like he just seems I don't know, a little cutie that I would want to pinch his cheek. Oh so my gosh. Now I'm ex- like I'm intrigued. You did it. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> In a nice way, not in a bitchy way. No, no I, I, didn't, I didn't think that you meant that. Um, but uh, so, yeah, everyone just said he was really nice. Like a lot of people said that he would call them by their first names, which maybe in the 60s was strange, maybe. And especially people like who worked for him. Who worked for him, yeah. Since he was the CEO, like they all just said he would approach people and that he would always be willing to help people. Well, that's pretty impressive that he could, you know, think of his workers' names. Like I'm sure Coors was not as big as it is now, but... Oh, no, it was big. Oh, it was big? Mm -hmm. Okay, see, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Budweiser family. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's still like, that's pretty impressive to have a pretty large company and be able to know people's names. Maybe that's what they're more like what they were impressed with is that he remembered who they were. Right. No, I totally agree. Okay. So um, Ad, Ad Coors was born. (laughs) I wrote Adolf in the beginning of my notes before I switched (laughs) to Ad. So if I drop it, sorry. So Ad um, was born January 12th, 1915 to Alice and Adolf Coors Jr., um, there's actually like five, five Adolfs, which oh I would God. think after 1940, maybe drop the name. <laughs> no, it's know. a tradition by now. <laughs> Ad was the oldest of four children. He had a younger brother, William, who was a year younger than him. A brother, Joseph, who was three years younger and a sister named May, who was eight years younger. Oh, okay. Um, Ad graduated from the Cornell University, which is actually like a family tradition. His dad did, his grandpa did, like it was just kind of important for him to go there. Um, I have to throw out real quick just for my office fans. Root it do to do my office fans will get it. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I've I've only watched like maybe seven consecutive episodes oh of the my office god well my I know. I, I know that one of the doctors that i work for has she's got a bunch of office stuff in her office she'll get it <laughs> cute i'm sure a lot of I, i'm sure most people will get it it's just me that is a weirdo i just refuse to like watch things that people like i don't know I, oh i didn't watch it until like 10 years after it was popular <laughs> Well, I started watching it like I've watched season one like multiple times because I want to watch it, but I just get bored and I can't. I don't know. Season one sucks. You got to go on to season two. Oh my God. I love when the one where they're like playing basketball. They have like a basketball tur- tournament with the. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's like my favorite one. But it, like season one is super cringy. Like if you, you have to watch season one to get the base of the story but as you continue it gets better they made steve carell like really creepy in season one and he's better after that yeah he is a little awkward but i'm awkward too so i just like pawned it off for like him being socially awkward (laughs) i don't know how to act in situations like that either but i'm not as bad as him so (laughs) also i'd like to point out that this is um normally we record on sundays after like a you know relaxing day off we're recording on monday with both of us being you know working all day so if yeah. we're a little slap happy like that's what you get <laughs> this is what happens on mondays friends yeah <clears throat> okay so went to cornell do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do okay um <laughs> um so he was in the kappa alpha society fraternity and was president of the quill and dagger society which i was like Quill and Dagger, what's that? Some Harry Potter shit. I know. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Dungeons and Dragons, like oh. in the basement or something. 
but it, it's in fact an honor society <laughs> and it is actually considered like one of the most prominent on honor societies in the country so sorry oh <laughs> i uh yeah anyway so he was super accomplished really smart Coors married mary Yurkart. i had i had to write the pronunciation of her name in my notes <laughs> you did good so mary Yurkart grant in 1940 and the couple had four children and I was really only able to find two of the four children's names. Again, everything about Ad is all about this case. And mm. like the brief background knowledge I have of him is just basic, like where he went to college, that he was smart, that he was nice. Oh. But I I know that he has Adolf Coors the fourth, for sure. I know that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and I think he has a daughter named Mary and a daughter named sicily maybe because she kind of pops up but i don't know which i love that's that a name. pretty name that's so cute i know I call her lily oh that's cute okay mm-hmm. so um while ad was a very accomplished businessman um he and his wife mary and their children lived on a horse ranch southwest of denver those who knew him said that he just liked to live life simply and quietly and like he wasn't into the city or anything oh i like that i know just i just like i said he just seemed like a really nice guy and i'm sad that Mm -hmm. the end came to what it did for him oh my gosh you keep like dropping (laughs) so intriguing (laughs) because i don't know i know nothing about this well there's some twists Mm. so just get ready for it okay okay and there's a lot of aspects to this case, so I'm sorry that it's been 18 minutes of us rambling <laughs> about the dumbest shit. You know, I um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take one for the team, and it was clearly me because I threw in an office reference and <laughs> all this other stuff. So it's really me just getting us sidetracked. No. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's not you. It's the, this is what you're here for, isn't it? You're here for the banter, here for the wit. Yeah, the chemistry. I've been told. <laughs> yes, that's such a compliment. Yeah. I've never had chemistry with anyone, so. Oh. It's just us. Sorry, Robbie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so in 1960, Ad was the CEO and the heir to the Coors Brewing Company, like I said before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tried. I tried really hard to find his net worth Mm. because that kind of has something to do with the case. But I I just, like, could not find it. So my assumption is that it's in the millions. Oh, wow. So his grandfather started it in like the early 1900s. Oh, wow. So it had been around forever. Mm -hmm. Well, not obviously for it had been around for a while. Yeah. And it was really successful even before it before it was Coors. It was like the Adolf Coors Brewing, which like, again, unfortunate name. Glad they changed it. (laughs) Probably did that for a specific reason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're looking at um, Tuesday, February 9th of 1960. And according to Mary, um, Ad's wife, the morning was really no different than any other mornings. Ad woke up early and did his exercise regime. Can't say that word. Um, but what I just want to know what his exercise looked like. I bet it was cute. <laughs> just like some fast walking hands and some high knees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like walk in place. Yeah. <laughs> So he did his exercises, he dressed for work, had coffee with her, and they chatted about their day, and I know, just so sweet, and she said that's what they did every morning. Oh. He checked on the horses and fed them, and did you freeze? 
right. Minor malfunction. My Wi-Fi went down. So <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can keep going. <laughs> we can do this. Okay. Yes. Um, so they had coffee. They were super cute. He said, what's up, horsies? And then left. Um, <laughs> and Mary said that uh, Ad left the house in a tan ball cap and mm. a blue nylon jacket, which was his favorite. And I mentioned that because it they come back. Mm. So he got in his travel all station wagon and left. Mm-hmm. The ranch manager that the Coors had employed said that Ad waved to him as he headed down the driveway and left the property. And that was at about 7.55 a.m. Um, so Ad usually took the same way to work. He went up Highway 285 to the brewing company in Golden because he lives in Morrison. So I don't know okay. if it's, it's just like south of Denver, mm-hmm. you know, barely. Mm-hmm. So he normally took Highway 285, but the highway was closed due to construction. Mm. So he had to take this like detour through Turkey Creek Canyon. Mm. And for those of you in Colorado, Turkey Creek Canyon is only four miles from Red Rocks. Ooh, okay. So that kind of gives you an idea of where it is. Heck yeah. And so the road through Turkey Creek was gravel, dirt, super desolate, not a lot of people, which is unfortunate. Mm. As Ad was traveling down the dirt road, um, he got to Turkey Creek Bridge, but there was a canary yellow mercury sitting in front of the bridge and blocking the bridge. Like mercury at the car. Yes. (laughs) You just made a face. Because I'm like, well, that's what happened to the milkman. So like, is one person just like blocking the road until they get someone? It's like the ring, right? You got to get them to watch the video before. (laughs) So this car's like, I need you to block the road so I don't die. That's what I'm thinking. Well, so the bridge is a one lane bridge. It's like you can barely fit a car in. So Mm. if there was a car blocking the road, like you would be basically oh. you can you wouldn't be able to pass okay um and so the canary yellow mercury was blocking the bridge so he couldn't pass what ad didn't realize at the time was that he had been stalked for months <gasps> by a man no. um, named joseph corbett jr why does that name sound familiar um i don't know oh. i mean spoiler alert he's the bad guy <laughs> That's maybe where you. I don't know. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked because I feel like I know no, 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 some no. things and then I don't. <laughs> maybe it'll hit you halfway through. Maybe. So Corbett had been watching and waiting for like months, <gasps> just trying to find the most opportune moment to get out alone and finding him on this desolate dirt road where there's no one around is seemingly a good yeah. time to do so. Oh, shit. Waiting in Corbett's Mercury were handcuffs, leg irons, and a ransom note that was already sealed, stamped, in an envelope ready to go. Oh, no. Corbett had positioned his car to completely block the one-lane bridge and left the hood of the car open, hoping that Ad would think that he was having car troubles. (gasps) We know that Ad was willing to help strangers. We know that he was you know, kind and all that. So um, he stood outside his vehicle waiting for Ad to come, but he had a pistol hidden in his jacket waiting for Ad. As Corbett had thought, when Ad pulls around, he rolls down his window and says, you know, can I help you? Do you need help? Are you stranded? And sure enough, um, Ad gets out of the car. Oh my God. So let's talk about Joseph Corbett Jr., Corbett was born October 25th, 1928 in Seattle, Washington. Most of his childhood, they said, was spent watching his parents kind of bounce back from the depression. So that would make me believe that he grew up in like poverty. You know, the Great Depression was 
a terrible time <laughs> from what I... Well, and it's, I mean, sometimes people like idolize money and mm-hmm. items and idolize people with those. Like, I mean, we're, we're having it right now in our generation with reality TV being yeah. so fucking big. Yeah. So it can get dangerous where you're like always down on yourself because you're watching someone. And I mean, this is like someone who's close, you know, someone right. who he could be like somewhat a part of their radius of watching them or whatever. Right. But like it can get kind of dangerous if you are longing for, you know, money and items and all this stuff and you can get really down on yourself and you can yeah. get kind of crazy like this guy sounds well, and jealousy is such a strong emotion mm-hmm. that yeah, it can make you do, like you said, just like scary things. So yeah. So yeah. So like I said, I would think that they like lived in poverty, but he still attended universities and he played sports okay. and like, so it sounded like he had a fairly decent childhood. Okay. But he was also described as brilliant. Oh. So he graduated in the top 25% of his high school graduating class. Shit. They actually made that sound like it was only the top 25% like that seems like a big deal to me but I I don't know like I struggled in school so it sounds impressive (laughs) to me I don't know yeah we were we were hand in hand right near the in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I graduated. I, I finished strong, I but too. you know, and there were some pity passes, but I did it. Oh, always pity passes. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mr. Morrison, for passing me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like only the top twenty five percent. Only. So he went to the University of Washington. That was where he was accepted. Is that is that your oh. you guys? I don't know. Or is that the Beeves? No, that's Oregon. I don't know. <laughs> we're washington state university okay go kooks that's my kook sound <laughs> i'm not a kook fan so i do that jokingly <laughs> but anyway uh so he goes to the other washington school oh we don't like them uh well apparently he didn't either but we'll get to that oh. uh, <laughs> um <laughs> so they they did a general assessment test that they made all of the incoming freshmen take and mm-hmm. Corbett scored a 91 out of 99. Whoa. Which on average was about like 35 points higher than any other student. <laughs> uh, and Holy so crap. He, they basically were like, you're a borderline genius, you know, because they were so <laughs> impressed. And he didn't like the school that called him a genius. Right. <laughs> well, uh, so um, and actually at one point, his IQ was measured at 148, which I was like, is that good? I don't know. What I've is never, that? Yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> and the average is 100. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Right. But like he was so smart and he was so great. But like they said that he struggled so hard <laughs> during school and that he was like really erratic with his studying habits and mm. his like attending classes. So it was almost like he just got like bored. I don't know. Yeah. Well, kind of like aren't that's something that like younger kids they worry about right oh yeah like really smart kids yeah you're right yeah like they worry they're gonna get bored in their grade so that's why some really really smart kids can skip multiple grades like i remember you're right my senior year i had a freshman in my advanced algebra and algebra 2 and trig class i had a freshman and I was a senior. <laughs> I was a senior and a freshman math. I, I don't know if I was. I didn't take math my, my senior year, but thank God. But <laughs> um, So, yeah. So, like, he just, I don't know. He was erratic. He, like, didn't want to be there. So, he actually dropped out in 1950. Um, oh. And moved back home with his parents. And this is kind of sad. So, his mother died, like, shortly after he moved home. 
And by shortly, I mean like five days after he moved home. <gasps> like she did. Oh and it said that she like fell off of a railing and like died. I don't know. It just sounded really sad. Um, Corbett had a brother, but his brother moved out. So it was just him and his dad. And it sounds like he and his dad were just awful. Like, mm. sounds like they did not get along mm. at all. And he said that his father, quote unquote, oozed selfishness and oozed. Ew. I know. Like, what a gross word. It's very descriptive. Some people don't like moist. <laughs> oh, Amber doesn't like no, moist. I don't like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> God, so gross. <laughs> when I was in the academy, they used moist and splooged those were the two words ew (laughs) those were the two (laughs) words that you know um oh yeah yeah he would he found out about moist and then he started saying splooged and it was disgusting (laughs) he would he's like a six-year-old yes (laughs) oh my gosh splooged what a terrible word (laughs) instead of editing maybe you could just like beep over his name right okay i will and then robbie would be like who was it who was it <laughs> he'll know because robbie was also a part of it oh that's true <laughs> he was there yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that i'm so sorry tangent no you're good so he moved his father he moved his father he moved to california <laughs> to you know because his dad was oozing sh- all over the place which sounds <laughs> okay so in 1951 when he was in california which i'm thinking is just like a few months after he had been there because he left school in 1950 okay you know i I don't know just just a few months later Mm -hmm. um he was convicted of shooting a 20 year old man twice in the back of the head what i know that escalated really quickly i apologize (laughs) we're talking about oozing and then shooting oh my god yeah I'm already, I'm already giving this dude more attention than I want, but mm. <clears throat> I just want to, you know, explain more about yeah. his past. So, uh, so yeah, he shot a, the man was a sergeant at the Hamilton Air Force Base. I couldn't find his name. Unfortunately, I looked. Oh. It just was a man. That's all that he was described as. Mm. And the sergeant was hitchhiking near the base. Corbett picked him up. I don't know what happened. He somehow ended shot in the head twice. Jesus. in the back of the head so it's like a you know uh what's Kill, up what's uh so that's a oh the mafia does it we have a murder podcast um, <laughs> uh assassinated it was like a kill shot yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah right so he so he killed him in the back of the head the sergeant's body was found in marin county and corbett was found just a few days later in a stolen car oh Corbett had originally claimed self-defense that the man had attacked him first. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back right. of the head is not self-defense. That is signs of... As he's running away. Yeah, that away. is signs of yeah, running right. away. Bullshit. Or sitting or... Yeah. Mm. Not self-defense. Well, he quickly recanted and oh. said that he actually had tried robbing the man and failed, so he just killed him instead. What the, what the heck is up with these criminals, like, giving worse reasons? <laughs> Like Bel- Get better. Yeah, Belva and Beulah, like, t- telling, well, 75 different stories, like... Right. What? Pick one. Pick a good one and stick to it. Well, and that's not a good one. That's, like, probably what happened. So the truth, I guess, which is good. I mean, yeah, definitely tell the truth, but if you're not going to tell the truth, then... <laughs> okay, so during his trial, it... And shortly after he was convicted, he actually was sent to a mental health facility 
where doctors basically said that he was quote unquote markedly schizoid and quote unquote abnormal. Oh. <laughs> Many of the psychiatrists that he worked with uh, said that he could potentially explode into a quote unquote violent, uncontrolled emotion. These descriptive words. Oh my goodness. Explode? Yeah. Also, oh. fucking obviously, he just shot someone in the back <laughs> of the head. Obviously, he's fucking violent. Well, I bet those psychiatrists loved their job was really easy. They were like, yeah, he's insane. <laughs> right. Like, I don't think you need a PhD to be like, mm, yeah, the guy might be violent. He, you know, <laughs> might. I don't know. I just, it just seems fucking obvious as shit. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, no. So after conviction, after he was, you know, violent, thanks a lot, thanks for nothing, um, he was put into a maximum hold prison, but eventually was transferred to a minimum security prison um, because he had good behavior. But he's... Violent. (laughs) Explosive. (laughs) I get prison is supposed to be about reform, but if you have multiple psychiatrists using those descriptions, like... No. And he's smart. He's smart. So he knows how to manipulate the system. No, that's not a good choice. Well, it wasn't, clearly. No, it was not. Well, and to say that he was schizoid, like, that's a mental illness that requires medication. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, it just seems like a bad choice. But yeah. anyway. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. So once he was moved to the minimum security, he escaped prison and left. Of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dum dums. Yeah. So, uh huh. So, um, he arrived in Denver in 1955 under the name Walter Osborne, which was a mixture of his father and his brother's name. Oh. He rented a small apartment in downtown Denver, and neighbors said that he stuck to himself and like wouldn't talk to them. <laughs> and they actually called him Mystery Boy, which seems like a strange name. I'm, I bet after all this crap the neighbors are very happy that he didn't talk to them right <laughs> well maybe i don't Ugh. uh i yeah I, I would think now i'd be like oh that dude's a fucking weirdo but <clears throat> well right like i'm really glad i didn't talk to him and get on his bad side with his explosive oozing <laughs> violence <laughs> mm-hmm. so much oozing <laughs> um, <laughs> okay so his uh Landlady at the time thought that Osborne, um, I guess, do you want me to call him Osborne or do you want me to call him Corbett? I don't know. Same person. Same person. I mean, we call him, he's going by Osborne now, so that's fine. Everyone, he's now Osborne. (laughs) Put the little switch on your head. Um, (laughs) So the landlady thought at the time that quote unquote Osborne worked in a graveyard shift, um, working as a chemist, creating alkyd, which is a synthetic resin. Seems super specific for not knowing anything about him. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't talk to me, but he told me all about his secret chemistry job. <laughs> <laughs> and so she actually noticed that he like stopped going to work. And so she figured that he like quit or lost his job, but he was still paying his rent. So she's kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> which just seems shit to me, but yeah. I'm not a landlord. So <laughs> we also noticed that he would receive like a ton of packages um, they were actually weapon manufacturers. The packages would sit in front of his apartment and then all of a sudden they'd be gone. So like they thought at night he would like come out of his shell and get all this shit. Just seems oh creepy. Oh my God, that's really scary. <laughs> yeah. 
little bridge troll just like crawling out and like <laughs> through perfect. a half open door dragging his boxes that's perfect <laughs> and no one can see what i just did because we're of uh, entertainment of the voices so no one just right. saw what i did well you they can use their imagination we all know what a bridge troll looks like <laughs> now picture amber like hunched over kind of <laughs> grudge style walking <laughs> how was that for descriptions beautiful um, it's explosive how good you are at describing things. i oozed that shit That's, that one didn't work i liked it oh oh good i'm so glad but anyway like i'm i'm done talking about him he sucks uh so fuck him yeah fuck him. so we're moving back we're back to february 9th and we're gonna talk about the crime scene now okay uh so around 1 30 p.m police and investigators went to the jerky creek bridge where, as we remember, a milkman had reported a strange vehicle after he had moved it. Rule number one, but I guess you got to deliver that milk, so. <laughs> and when police arrived, Bill, um, Ad's brother, and Mary, his wife, were also at the crime scene. Because they had identified that it was Ad's oh. car <clears throat> before, like, the main investigators came. Uh, oh, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Sorry. Okay, that was- I thought the milkman was like, Ad, your car's here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wait, he didn't have cell phones. I hold up my cell phone like he could. This is 1960. I, I promise I'm intelligent. Monday nights. Yeah, someone's got a case of the Mondays. Uh, it's me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, it kicked Leslie off. <laughs> We're never going to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> this time it was leslie's internet not mine <laughs> so did you guys like the elevator music last time because you're gonna get it again this time yeah we're never recording on a monday again <laughs> oh my gosh okay no seriously never mm-hmm. um okay so where i think i was before my internet so kindly disconnected me um so police were there bill was there mary was there the car was there ad was not there <laughs> so um <laughs> license a little cliff notes there for you yeah as as we continue to get kicked off our internet it's gonna get like, more to the point <laughs> we're just we're getting the information out guys <laughs> don't worry we'll still be ranting around the corner because it's us and we can't just get to the point okay um <laughs> So, so 100 plus uh, law enforcement officials were at the scene. They were looking for evidence, but most importantly, they were just looking for ad. <clears throat> Not only was there the reddish brown spot that the milkman had seen on the bridge, there was also blood on ad's window and bumper. And there was also blood on the railing and again, the floor of the, br- of the bridge. Oh. So while Mary was there, which just seems like a bad idea, I don't know why this dude's wife was invited to the crime scene, but um, nope. 1960s, I guess. Um, so Mary was there and saw a tan cap on oh, the shit. riverbank below the bridge and told police that that was what Ad left the house in that morning. Mm-hmm. They eventually drained the, the creek a few days after. And they ended up finding um, Ad's broken glasses in the creek. Mm-mm. 
and then uh there was so okay so there was also a fedora at the creek and both mary and bill were like ad doesn't wear fedoras only weirdos wear fedoras i don't you can wear a fedora if you want i don't know this um, <laughs> i thought you were gonna say bill and mary were like fedorable what's that it's fedora with adorable attached it's fedorable <laughs> oh fedora i thought you were talking like a bowl i thought you meant like a physical bowl so then i'm thinking like tortilla chips that's where i was going with it all right i was like what the fuck is that my joke didn't land damn it no that's cute. Fedorable. That's the name of this. Fedorable. <laughs> That's the name. That's the name. That's the name of this fucking episode. <laughs> Usually Amber and I are like, I don't know what to call it. What should we call it? <laughs> now we know. I'll write it down. <laughs> Perfect. Because <clears throat> I'll forget. <laughs> uh, okay. So they, they found the fedorable fedora. But it's not it's not fedorable right now because a douchebag wore it. But um, so they they found it and Bill and Mary were like, no, I doesn't wear those. So that's like for sure not him. And um, two bloodhounds were brought to the scene. And I'm pretty sure they were like an employee of the Coors that just brought their dogs. Oh, because it said like the Coors Brewing Company brought these bloodhounds. But then I see so yeah, I literally think like an employee who owned Bloodhounds just like brought his dogs. Since when does Coors have jurisdiction in <laughs> crime? Well, because I mean, this is a big this is a big deal. They mm. were a super rich, prominent family. Mm. And again, this is in the 60s. And I mean, anything goes. Yeah, I just don't think they gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so the Bloodhounds came and they were looking for ad scent, um, but the dogs were only able to pick up the scent on the bridge it wasn't on the riverbank it wasn't on the road and so basically police were like well ad obviously never left this bridge like he only was here Mm -hmm. and so since they were unable to find ad's body anywhere near the bridge or anything they kind of just automatically assumed that it was potentially a kidnapping case again they're a rich prominent family Mm -hmm. and actually something fucking crazy so ad's father um adolf the second was like living his merry life and one day was approached by like an fbi agent and he was like so we picked up this guy who was like coming to kill you and like kidnap you for ransom what and like you don't have to worry we picked him up it's fine but like just so you know this was happening okay which is crazy i don't think i'm ever gonna be like a mcmillionaire or whatever but <laughs> if i am i'm dropping off the face of the earth and no one will know where i go no I don't kidding be kidnapped or tried murder or ransom or n- no <laughs> yeah no kidding well and so that's why it makes me think that they were like oh this is a kidnapping because they mm-hmm. had already dealt with it mm-hmm. so they took like every precaution telephones were tapped and they were listening in and sheriff deputies were like surrounding the ranch and they were just like on high alert mm-hmm. um and someone decided that they should go through the mail. Like, even that wasn't delivered to them. That was just in processing. Okay. But anything that was going to the cores or from the cores, mm-hmm. anything like that. And so they found this letter that had two stamps on the top, mm-hmm. which was strange because it didn't need two stamps. Um, and the word... <laughs> I don't have the energy to kick them out. <laughs> so they just need to cooperate with me. Um... So on the bottom, it said personal, and um, it was addressed to Mrs. Adolph Coors III with their address. 
<clears throat> it was a typewritten letter, and I'm going to read it all. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of a long one. That's so, okay. Mrs. Coors, your husband has been kidnapped. His car is by Turkey Creek. Oh shit! Call the police or FBI. He dies. Mm. Cooperate. He lives. Ransom: two hundred thousand dollars in tens and three hundred thousand dollars in twenties. There will be no negotiating. Bills. Used, non-consecutive, unrecorded, unmarked. Warning, we will know if you call the police or record the serial numbers. Directions, place money and this letter and envelope in one suitcase or bag. Have two men with a car ready to make the delivery. When all set, advertise a tractor for sale in the Denver Post, Section 69. Sign at King Ranch, Fort Lupton. Wait at NA 9-4455 for instructions after ad appears. Deliver immediately after receiving call. Any delay will be regarded as a stall to set up a stakeout. Understand this. Adolf's life is in your hands. Oh we have no desire to commit murder. All we want is that money. If you follow the instructions, he will be released unharmed within 48 hours after the money is received. Holy crap. And that was it. <laughs> That's a lot of instructions. Like I know. <laughs> I really love my husband. Like He's my, he's my dude, but um, I would forget <laughs> a step. <laughs> well, everything was bulleted. Like It was all organized oh, and sectioned off. Easy to off. read. Mm -hmm. it. But it was very easy to read. Um, I'm not sure what they meant by wait at NA9-4455. I don't know what that, I don't know if it's like a total. I wonder if that's like a mile marker. See, I kind of thought that too. But then he said, wait for the call. So then I'm thinking, oh. like, is it like a phone booth? Like, I don't, I don't know what probably. that means. No, that's that's really smart. That's probably a f yeah. We don't have it's probably not there right. anymore. We don't have them. Yeah. Right. Um, mm. and so the letter was immediately analyzed, and neither the envelope or the letter themselves showed any traces of fingerprints or DNA. Dang it. They did notice, however, that the how well the written, <laughs> how well the letter was written. <laughs> I can't. 830. Not like, how well right. the words are spoken. <laughs> My brain is telling me to fuck off. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so there were no typos and it was um, on written on a typewriter. So they would have seen if someone like hit backspace because mm -hmm. the paper would have been all funky um, and the grammar was correct. Like it was just really well written. Hmm, someone smart wrote that. Huh. A genius, would you say? An explosive <laughs> genius. <laughs> Oozing with violence. Um, and so they were able to like pinpoint what kind of typewriter it is. Um, and I don't know. So the Forensic Files episode like really goes into detail about that. Oh. And it actually like plays a pretty decent significance to this case. But like... Mm. Just, you know, because I don't want this episode to be like three hours. About a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> right. So real quickly. So they're, um, okay, so they narrowed down the brand of two different typewriters based on the font of the letter. Jeez. From there, I know, right? Um, from there, they were able to identify which one it was because <clears throat> like the swoop of the letter was different on one versus the other. 
How would you like to be the swoop person? This swoop <laughs> is 90 degrees <laughs> while this one is 93. <laughs> and that's literally what they were doing on the forensic files. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> this is interesting, I guess. But oh, my God. I don't want to be that person. <laughs> I, I don't either. So the swoop guy um, identif- identified what the maker was. And from there, they found out which stores sold the, sold the, t- the typewriter, excuse me, um, in Denver. And I don't know. They basically narrowed it down to Corbett under the name Osborne. Cheese and rice. Wow. That's impressive. Pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. um, so like I said, spoiler alert, Corbett is the bad guy. <laughs> I said that before, but I basically just told you that they narrowed down the typewriter to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Ad's father, Adolph Jr., um, told reporters, quote unquote, I am dealing with crooks who have something that I want to buy. My son. The price is secondary. That's it's a weird way to say it <laughs> right they were like you're treating your son as like a business transaction yeah, like it's like he's a horse this just seems yeah. really weird yeah right and he was basically like money is money like yeah. blah, 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 blah. i don't know we'll talk about him a little later but he seems like a douchebag <laughs> again spoiler alert um <laughs> so at the same time <laughs> corbett's uh, landlady recalled that the man that she had known as Walter Osborne approached her on the morning of February 10th in his canary yellow Mercury with everything packed up and said that he was moving to Boulder. Not Boulder. Not Boulder. Um, <laughs> so, so he paid last month's rent and gave the keys and was like, peace out and left. <laughs> and that was on the 10th. So that was the day after Ad went missing. Oh. On February 11th, an ad was placed in the Denver Post, just like the letter asked for. Mm-hmm. for a John Deere tractor for sale and the family arranged all the money and they waited for the phone call and they waited and waited because honestly they had no reason to believe especially Mary Mary was like they don't want to kill him they don't want to commit murder mm-hmm. like they just want the money so like I don't give a shit if they get caught I don't care if you know yeah. how much money it costs I just want him she just wants her husband yeah yeah and like nothing happened they never got a phone call they never heard from the kidnapper and on february 22nd 13 days after the kidnapping mary spoke to reporters and said that quote unquote we are ready to pay for my husband's safe return it just makes me so sad yeah. <laughs> it just makes me oh my God. like she just loved him and like she said she really didn't care what yeah. the price was she didn't she just wanted him home oh my god how terrifying so the family was like just waiting essentially in a standstill but police kept searching and investigating for clues because while that typewriter went back to Corbett, it's not enough to like no, yeah, approach and be like, "Did you kidnap this man?" Shame on you! <laughs> you, you, know. you bought a typewriter, right? But okay, uh, how how come it didn't stop? Like, have reason because he broke out of prison. Well, and that kind of gets brought up to a mm, little later. Okay, like, sorry, jumping ahead. No, 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 not necessarily by investigators, but more by Corbett. Um, mm. but. Right. Like, you're right. I mean, he was he was a wanted man for leaving, like literally escaping prison. Um, but uh, police interviewed homeowners. This part just makes me laugh in the area around the bridge. And they spoke they spoke to this one woman named Rosemary Stitt. And if I knew Rosemary, I would want to be her friend. Um, <laughs> she just was so funny because like everything is recorded because this is such a big case. Like mm-hmm. her word for word interview was on a bunch of the articles and in that book mm-hmm. that I mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she just seemed so funny. 
Anyway, um, so Rosemary had said that around 8 a.m. in the morning, she heard the sound of two people yelling at each other down at the bridge. Her home was actually like less than a mile away from the bridge. So Mm -hmm. assuming it would have been easy for her to hear if something was going on. Yeah. She said that she heard two people talking and then heard a crack and what sounded like, quote unquote, lightning striking a tree. Oh, and so she said that she looked outside and she's like, well, I don't see a tree down or anything. And I mean, was it thundering? <laughs> like, wouldn't you know if like lightning struck a tree? I don't know. I've never been there. But in her interview, she talked about that she had once seen a lightning strike a tree. Again, she just was like going on and on. It was so <laughs> About <funny>. a tree. <laughs> yeah. Like she's she's my people for sure. <laughs> so then she's like, okay, well, there's no tree falling. So like maybe it was a gunshot. And she heard like one crack, one pop. Mm-hmm. And so police said, you know, do you know what kind of gun it was? Like, what kind of gun did it sound like? Because this is a really rural Colorado where there's most, they most likely hunt. Amber's making a face. Well, like, how okay. would she know? <laughs> my husband and I, sorry, we're, I have, my husband and I have guns. I know I try to avoid discussion of weapons, um, but we have guns and no, good, I yeah. don't think I could like pick what it sounded like. Yeah, I don't either. Maybe I'm not like backwoods honky enough, but I don't think, I mean, there's certain sounds, I guess, that you could associate, but like, uh, no. <laughs> to like identify a crack. Like she yeah, thought it was lightning. That she Obviously, thought was, she doesn't yes. know what kind of gun it is. Like, <laughs> that's a yeah, silly question. <laughs> they were really reaching there for any information. <laughs> right. They're like, tell us anything. Yeah. yeah. So, so they said, you know, what kind of gun it was, and she's, and again, she's just so funny. So in the book, they're like quoting her, and she's like talking about this argument that her husband and her son got into like debating <laughs> what type of gun it was and, <laughs> and eventually they were like well we don't know what it was like they well, we can't determine so <laughs> also this was a sound like 10 days ago <laughs> <laughs> um so <laughs> she mentioned later that morning that she heard and this is a quote I heard someone hollering horn honking about 15 20 minutes later after that the milkman showed up and told me about a car blocking the bridge down yonder. Oh, God. <laughs> I just love Colorado her. <laughs> is not the South. <laughs> no, it's not. I gave her a Southern accent. Oh, but... I thought you heard her accent. Oh, no. But who says down yonder? I mean. I actually said it today at work. <laughs> well, of course you did. <laughs> Nothing against down yonder. I'm putting that in my vocab now. Well, I had someone looking at the visual acuity chart and I was like, yeah. go ahead, cover your left eye and look down yonder. And the guy looked at me like I was insane. Okay. And I was like, I don't know where that came from. So the guy was on my side. You're you're Rosemary yes. and, I'm, yeah. and me and that guy are like everyone else. <laughs> I still love everyone Rosemary, else. so I still love you. But Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah she heard a i just love how she's like i heard someone a hollering like i mean it just was funny <laughs> and a horn a honking <laughs> and a horn a honking <laughs> six geese a laying because it's Christmas. i know <laughs> oh but she, she's funny i would love to have known rosemary sounds like a good lady mm. um yeah okay i'm done talking about rosemary now <laughs> just so we all know <laughs> ending that chapter um so more than four people, including ranch hands and Ad's daughter, Cicely, reported seeing a man in a yellow canary mercury outside of their home with something that appeared to be a rifle in their front seat leading up weeks to, to the kidnapping. Oh, God. 
Yeah, can we just like take a fucking time here? You see someone sitting outside your property with a rifle and you're not like And you're not phased. Hmm, this is concerning. Right. Like, oh dear, there's that man again. Hello. Like, no. I So he was seen multiple times? Yeah, by four different people. Including one of the, the young girls that lived there. Like, it's not their fault. How are you not scared? No, but how are you not like freaked out? Like I know. It just seems so obvious that you call someone, but... Yeah. What do I know? Including because their grandpa had a problem, like, with this before. (laughs) Well, and you know you're rich. You know you're a prominent family. It just seems really... I don't know. Anyway. Cheese and rice. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so one of the witnesses um, got a partial plate for the car, and so they knew it was a yellow Mercury. They Mm -hmm. had a partial plate, and they ended up tracing the car back to a dealership in Denver that was purchased about a month before, so like January 1960, by a man named Walter Osborne. Oh, surprise. Oh, imagine Imagine. (laughs) Bought that car down yonder in Denver. (laughs) down yonder and i was a i was a honking a horn in and yeah I don't, anyway we're getting real slap happy here okay oh my god we're never recording on monday no, again I, it's my fault we're recording today i'll take i'll take blame no it's not your fault it's a good reason to record on monday it's just this is never again this is chaos yeah. this is absolute <laughs> chaos okay okay so um they ran a basics everyone everyone listening is like what the fuck like there goes all of our 35 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> we should just put in the info, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> Seriously, like this is us. I, we were really, we got it together. We were really poised and sounded like we were fine for the last five, but this is us normal. So <laughs> welcome. <laughs> so you know we trust you. <laughs> you are now our friend. <laughs> we're only like this around each other. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. This episode's going to be like seven hours long okay um no it, it won't w- it won't be but i, I anyway. it's cut us off every 20 minutes we're good that's true hey we're at 22 <laughs> minutes we're going strong here in our seven recordings that from just this one episode um okay so found the car it was in denver it was it was osborne he bought it okay yeah. he did it <laughs> So they ran a basic search through the DMV and found a Walter Osborne with a fingerprint on file, um, which I don't know why the, the DMV had fingerprints on file. And yeah. like the article said that they found it through the DMV, but on forensic files, they said that they dusted his apartment and found the prints there. Weird. I don't know. I don't know where the f- they found the prints, <laughs> but they found the prints. All right. Um, <laughs> so they found the prints and the prints traced back to Joseph Corbett Jr. when he was in jail. And they were like, oh, bing, bang. Wow. We found him. Congratulations to us. <laughs> when they entered Corbett's apartment in Denver, they found boxes for handcuffs, leg irons, and a tent. And so they basically assumed that maybe he was like camping mm. with Ad. Like he bought the tent. Maybe he went out and was camping with them. Because again, they still have no reason to think that Ad is dead. They have no body. Hmm. I mean, the dude hasn't called for his money. So that's a little concerning. But there's just nothing concrete to say that he's yeah. dead. Well, and it's weird that he went to all this work and then didn't. Well, I'm jumping ahead. I, I can tell by your face. But <laughs> he never. <laughs> I'm doing the eyebrow wiggles. So far, he's not go- gone to pick up his money, which was the whole focus of this. I thought, well, maybe not. But it was. You know, he's oozing genius, but he can't follow through with his plan. His time management is the problem. That's all. There you go. There we go. He just needs a planner. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> 
This is your sign to go buy a planner from Target. Okay. Don't do Amazon because I bought a planner from Amazon and it doesn't start until July. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I got it when we decided we were going to start doing the podcast yeah. and planning our episodes. And I got all excited, picked it up and can't plan anything till July. <laughs> it seems so s- silly to me. That's not even half of the year. I know. At least be in June. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems, I don't know. I got, I got had. <laughs> Amazon. Amazon. All right, sorry. Tangent again. No, Tangent number seventy-five. <laughs> Seven hours later. Okay. Um. All right. So, if that amount of evidence isn't enough for you, which like there are so many, and they all lead back to the same other, but anyway, <laughs> on February seventeenth, the canary yellow mercury was found in a dump in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on fire, <laughs> literally burning. Holy. Oh. Okay. So they put out the fire and most of the car was charred, but they were able to identify the serial number on the engine, Mm. which connected it back to the dealership in Denver. Mm -hmm. So they bring the mercury back to Denver and they found some soil on the bottom of the front bumper. And this is, I mean, this was a big deal. Again, this is the reason why it was on forensic files. Okay. Um, So I will try to get through this quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But efficiently. Okay, so there were layer there were some soil found on the bottom of the bumper. The layer closest to the bumper, so the first layer, matched soil that was taken near Turkey Creek Bridge. Oh. The second layer of soil was unidentified at the time, mm-hmm. but it will come back. Okay. It will come back in the case. So the third soil they identified was dirt from traveling to Atlantic City from Denver. Mm. Okay. So the soil testing is what makes this case like so crazy. Um, one of the interviewers on Forensic Files was just saying how insane it was that somebody in the 60s actually thought to do this. Yeah. And um, to this day, cases that were solved using soil alone mm-hmm. is like, you know, the number is small. Well, I'm sure it's not utilized a lot either. Like even after right. this, it's probably one of those like dirt cool like oh yeah that that one case that happened that one time yeah like we're gonna go with something else yeah Yeah, right so the dirt is important for this case (laughs) so the course family and the police they had no leads no ad and corbett's missing they know that he like he's a suspect he's their Mm -hmm. main suspect Mm -hmm. but they can't find him there's no trace of him he in fact was not in boulder surprisingly (laughs) you mean he lied (laughs) (laughs) the oozing genius lied yeah he lied (laughs) that oozer and so <laughs> oh i heard my echo back <laughs> so loud i'm so sorry <laughs> no it was good burst your eardrums i apologize oh no it was you didn't burst me no you're okay. good <laughs> so yep he's a big fat liar and then uh so there's no leads no corbett no ad so on march 30th 1960 just a few months after ad went missing um the fbi added corbett on the top 10 most wanted list mm-hmm. So they basically did like a nationwide search for Corbett. They talked to Corbett's father. They talked to his stepmother and his brother and inmates in California and people in Washington. And he was just nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. So do you remember when I said that Adolf Jr. Ad's dad seemed like kind of like a douchebag? Yes, I do remember the douchebag. So here we're going to talk about the douchebaggery. <laughs> so the Coors Brewing plant like literally went on as if nothing had happened. Bill and Joe, Ad's brothers, essentially like took over his duties. And employees said that they never talked about Ad. They never talked about the fact that he was like missing. It just basically was 
business as usual. Weird. Mary and her four children were like in a complete state of disarray. Like they're missing their husband. They're missing their father. And people close to the family even went as far to say that Adolf Jr. like never really reached out to Mary to be like, how are you doing? You know, I know my son's missing. Like he just, it was all business. It was when you hear the call, tell us, we'll give you the money. Like it was just a business thing. It was, there was no, no sentiment behind it. Weird. And so like speculation flew and people were like, well, is he dead? Is that why they haven't picked up the money? And I just feel like Mary and the children probably were starting to like come to terms with the fact that Ad was possibly and probably dead at this Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. It had been four months. They had the money. They said they had the money. And no one came. Like they were willing to give it. Exactly. And so Mary started to drink heavily and her children had said that they just like felt so isolated, not necessarily from their mother, but if anyone has been with someone while they go through something yeah. like that, I'm sure the isolation is there. And I'm sure that they probably all they wanted to talk about was their dad missing and like no one around them was right. talking about it. None of their family members were and like they wanted to get to the bottom of it and everyone else was just going on business as usual. Like that's got to be right so hurtful. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean... Like you said, you you just want to try to process like what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Why don't I have my dad anymore? Yeah. And your grandpa and your uncles are just like, here, take a beer. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't think that's what they say. But business you know. as usual. Exactly. I just mentioned like it just makes me really sad. That's the only reason I yeah. mention it. It's it's not yeah. like a huge part of the case. It just But it's sad. It just makes me feel sad that they were probably so alone and felt mm-hmm. so isolated and I don't know. I just don't like it. We're gonna scoot all the way up to September fifteenth, nineteen sixty. Hikers find human remains in a dump site in Sedalia, Colorado, which is about 25 miles south of Denver. Mm-hmm. In the same area, hikers found clothing and a key ring that had AC the third <sighs> engraved on it. Oh, no. The district attorney at the time, who was in charge of Douglas County, which is where the dump site was located, was named Leo Rector, and he and his crew went to the site. Um, And actually, the Gazette article that I cited earlier, they do like a whole interview with one of the guys that was on that team. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of interesting, like hearing where they found his body, like from a firsthand account. It's just an interesting. Yeah. So they found the remains, um, but they said they were like super decomposed. They had been like picked over and ransacked by animals and Mm. it just was really hard to determine it was essentially just bone unfortunately and his clothes so they found a blue nylon jacket with two bullet (gasps) holes (laughs) i'm sorry my commentary is bad but i knew it (laughs) i'm sorry i'm laughing i'm i'm not laughing at ad i promise um no you're laughing at me because this is how i watched (laughs) true crime documentaries when i'm by myself (laughs) okay i can do this um okay so (laughs) so they found his blue nylon jacket and it had two bullet holes in the back shoulder and as amber remembers that's what he was wearing when he left the house (laughs) Mm -hmm. and someone likes to shoot people in the back of the body Mm -hmm. you're so good at making those connections (laughs) so they also found a shirt that matched the bullet holes So essentially like his entire outfit, they found his pants, Mm -hmm. his shirt, and his jacket. But just to ensure, just to make sure that the remains were ads, they took the skull to a dentist office in Castle Rock, where through dental records, it was confirmed that it was ad. Mm. 
do you remember when we were talking about the second soil? Mm-hmm. So we had the soil on the mercury that was to Turkey Hill. Yep. So that second soil was analyzed and it matched the soil near Ad's body. Oh. So, so we know for sure that the mercury that was owned by Corbett mm-hmm. was at both Turkey Hill, mm-hmm. where he went missing, mm-hmm. and at the site where his body was found. Oh, wow. It's pretty incriminating. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. a big flashing sign. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about Mary Coors and mm-hmm. Ad's father and brother and how they were fighting. And up until this point, Mary was like, well, he's alive. Like, that's what they said in the note. He just wants, they just want the money. They don't yeah. want to kill him or anything. And like right after they found Ad's remains, Bill, his brother, uh, made a comment to the press saying, quote unquote, it was obvious the guy was murdered. The guy? Which is like so insensitive. That's your brother. Friends were saying like that just totally put Mary over the edge. Like she was just so fed up with them and was like, fuck you guys. (laughs) Like that's my husband. He's your brother. Yeah. Not just a guy. He's a father. He's your son. Like I'm really glad we're a Budweiser family right now. I literally wrote that. Like, essentially, <laughs> I'm just glad that I don't drink Coors Light because they're all f-ing assholes. Like, yeah, F them. I don't. They all suck and I don't like them. So besides Ad, everybody besides yeah. Ad and Mary, the rest of them suck. Bleh. It is. It's gross. And it's bad beer anyway. So. <laughs> So now we know, we know Ad is dead, unfortunately. We know that Corbett is like super attached to him, mm-hmm. evidence wise. Did you think I was frozen? Sorry, did I sit too still? I did. <laughs> you did. I played possum. <laughs> so let's talk about tracking Corbett down. Okay. This, is, this was such a huge case and family was prominent and rich. And, you know, now we know for sure that Ad was not just kidnapped, but he was also murdered. Mm-hmm. The press just went like absolutely bananas with it. Of course. And it started in just like a nationwide type thing and it moved globally and people around the world heard about it and people in Canada heard about it. And um, people around the world, people in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I said Canada because we love Canada. Just like last week, Canada's playing a part in this right now. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I said Canada. But I do love Canada. So does Amber, as we all know. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, like, at the time, you couldn't go anywhere, regardless of where you were, without seeing a picture of Corbett, like his mugshot from California, or, you know, a list of his features. Like, he he was just all over the place. And at the same time, we know that Corbett, they didn't know at the time, we know now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Corbett um, was living in Toronto. Oh. And he started to see all these papers come out because he remember he's top 10. So mm-hmm. there's everywhere about him. He sees that the newspapers are all posting photos of him and he is like, someone's going to recognize me. And he dips. He mm-hmm. fuck freaks out and dips. And like he left so quickly that he forgot to grab some important items of his like his wallet and his photo ID and um, a union card from California. And he actually left a book called The Anatomy of Murder, which is ri- <gasps> written by Robert Trevor. Have you heard of that? What? No. Okay. <clears throat> I hadn't either. Um, so I looked up and so it's a courtroom drama story, which is about a man oh. being on trial for murdering a man that supposedly assaulted his wife. I don't know. I've never read it. I had kind of heard of it, but now I oh. kind of want to read it. I don't know. It, sound, it sounds interesting. I thought it was a how-to. Right. I thought it was like a murder 101 book. Sorry, that was my shock because I thought it was like how to commit murder. Well, I think it might be, though, because if it's a supposedly it's all about the courtroom and like trying to prove his innocence versus his oh. guilt. So I think it is kind of like a how-to. I don't know. Oh. 
it was important enough that they included it in all of the the shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So he dipped and he stopped showing up to work. And a coworker went to his apartment and found all this shit and was like, "Oh my god, that's the guy that they want." Which I don't know why you had to see the ID to put two and two together. You can work with the dude. You saw the dude. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. But that's when he decided he wanted to call the police. <laughs> and then we know that he went from Toronto to Winnipeg and that he rented a fire engine red 1960 Pontiac sedan. Why the colors? I was wondering that too. Canary yellow, fire engine red. Like, could we be any more noticeable on the street? <laughs> How about white? What happened to beige? <laughs> 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 yeah he likes his colors he likes he likes the flash you need to be able to if you are on the run you need to be able to lose your car in a parking yep. lot and forget where you park because there are seven other cars just like it that's true you're you're totally right and we both drive cars like that idiots <laughs> do better friends yes there is a black kia soul that oh now people well 34 people who i already probably know <laughs> know what i drive um there is a black kia soul that it works at an office next to mine and we park in the same parking center and i don't know how many times i've walked up to that car thinking it's mine oh cute mm-hmm. your soul sisters get it uh, <laughs> i just got it <laughs> <laughs> Until she thinks I'm trying to steal it. Be like, no, 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 I'm the other one. It's hey, me. soul sister. <laughs> right? That's cute. Oh, and then I can sing it. Kitchy, kitchy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Sorry, I expect. That's what I expect to happen on <laughs> tomorrow. I was going to say Monday. It's already on Monday. <laughs> okay. Go back in time. Sing the song to her. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, he's in his bright ass red Pontiac. And um, <laughs> so we know that he went from Toronto to Winnipeg. I don't know how that they know that he went to Winnipeg and got this car. I couldn't find it. And to be honest, this was like hour 10 of research. And I was like, I don't fucking care. But we know that he had the Pontiac. (laughs) And um, so he ended up in Vancouver. And (laughs) he was hoping to start a new life in Vancouver. Um, He said that it felt like a lot like home because he's from Seattle. So it's like, you know, rainy and And so it was there that he was staying at a hotel under the name Thomas C. Wainwright. And because he was wanting to start a new life in Vancouver, he was like looking for a job and he had ordered a to rent a typewriter, which like, what the fuck is up with him and typewriters? I don't know. The typewriter is the problem. That is what got him into this situation in the first place. Stop buying typewriters. Yep, so he like rented this typewriter. I'm assuming it was to find a job. I don't know. Anyway, so um, he had told the front desk that of the hotel that he was expecting a typewriter to be delivered and to like look out for it essentially. Mm. On the morning of October 29th, 1960, a concierge working at the hotel noticed a fire engine red Pontiac in the parking garage. He then remembered hearing about a Pontiac similar to that that was connected to a man who was wanted for murder. Mm. Again, I genuinely don't know how they made that connection. I don't under the book didn't talk about it. None of the articles, forensic files. They just knew that he had this Pontiac. And so they had released that if you see this fire engine red Pontiac, call us. Mm. So are you guys sick of the elevator music yet? (laughs) This time it was mine. (laughs) Well, it only makes sense to like put that in there because there's no smooth transition from like when it cuts us off to when we start up again crashing yeah so it just makes sense to put our little music in all right this was the episode that was never meant to be recorded clearly (laughs) don't leave us a review after listening oh no 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 no. go back and listen to some of the other ones where it doesn't suck the story's good though (laughs) yeah that's it okay i think we left off um so they saw the red Pontiac, they called police, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so constables went and talked to the hotel manager and he's like, yep, there's a dude staying there. Now's your chance. He's waiting for a typewriter. Go on up. 
So they knock on the door and they say, typewriter order for Mr. Wainwright. And Corbett opens the door being like, oh, fuck yeah, my typewriter's here about time. And he opens it up and he sees police and he's like, okay, awesome. Great. (laughs) I got had. (laughs) And so he's been quoted to say, I'm your man. I give up. You know, it's me. It's me you're looking for. So. um, (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So they picked him up and blah, blah. That was October 29th. So. He almost he got away for quite a bit compared to yeah February to October holy guacamole um so they take him back to Denver and he sits in the Jeffco jail during the interrogation he like never admitted to kidnapping Ad he never admits to to killing Ad he like doesn't even want to talk about it he like talks about international politics and religion and they even said that he talks about like airplanes oh my gosh bless the investigators (laughs) because I would be like shut the up i'm not asking you like so the investigators basically thought that he was trying to go with like a dazed and confused type thing you know trying to talk about other things and to get them off his mind but like i mean i couldn't carry on a conversation about like international politics no i I mean i think maybe you could about like canada (laughs) (laughs) i could talk about justin trudeau (laughs) (laughs) um but you know maybe I... but i don't know much about international <laughs> politics i can just talk about hot leaders of the world <laughs> which is just him just just justin trudeau okay um okay so nonetheless even though corbett like never admits to it he's still charged with first degree murder um and the trial begins on january it's like they said the beginning of 1961 so my assumption okay. is like January of 1961. Um, And the trial lasted for 13 days. So the district attorney at the time was Ronald J. Hardesty. um, And he used Mm -hmm. the forensic evidence of the soil taken on the bumper of the mercury and other witnesses who said that they had seen him and like his landlady saying when he had left Denver. And they essentially used those to lay out an idea of what they think happened. Mm -hmm. What they think was that Ad approached Corbett on the bridge to help him with his vehicle where Corbett pulled out the pistol that he had hiding in his jacket. They think that the two men wrestled with the gun, you know, because the hats had fallen off the bridge and there was blood on the bridge and there was blood on the railing Mm -hmm. and they were fighting over it. And eventually Ad just turned around and ran back to his car. So then they think it was then that Corbett shot him twice, essentially hit his right shoulder. What a bitch. The two people he's killed have been turned away from him. He doesn't even look them in the face when he takes their life from them. Are you kidding me? Well, and he said that that sergeant was a failed attempt at a robbery. So it's like, you failed. You suck. You Like, you're not even a good criminal. <laughs> like, you... No, and I'm sorry. If you're going to kill someone and be that sh- you need to watch. Yeah. It's such a coward. Yeah. You need to watch what happens to their face, and that needs to be burned into your mind until you die and burn. Yeah. Oh, that got real dark real fast. <laughs> I agree. I mean, unfortunately, like, we don't know if Ad died, like, on the spot. I hope he didn't yeah. suffer. I don't know, because, you know, his yeah. his body was so deteriorated that they couldn't determine. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So it's just, yeah, it's just terrible. Yeah. Corbett's defense attorney said over and over again that Corbett's only crime was being a man who was wanted for a, another crime. Kind of like what you said. Like, shouldn't they be looking for him because he is wanted in California? Like, not just the fact that he killed Ad, but the fact that he mm-hmm. is escaped prison. And that's kind of what his defense attorney said. 
he's not guilty of anything. We don't have anything on him. We just know that he's guilty of this other crime. I'm sorry. Um, ma'am, let's check the, the record real quick. Roll back. He literally said, I'm your man. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like he literally said, I give up. It's me. Yeah. Do we need to do the song montage again? Yeah. <laughs> Adele might sue if she hears me sing, uh, sing it again. But no, no. And you weren't on the FBI's Most Wanted for your first murder because you went to jail for it. You were on the list because of this crime. So that's ridiculous. Right. Well, and then they had the audacity to be like, oh, you know, him just getting up and moving randomly with, oh. you know, saying he's going to Boulder when he goes somewhere else. That was just a coincidence. Like you have like you have the audacity to say that in a courtroom. I don't believe in coincidences. Boulder. Right. Toronto. They sound identical. Anyone could get confused. Well, and if you're not guilty, like, why would you burn your car? <laughs> why? Yes. Like, you're all excited for your Mercury and then you, like, literally douse it in gasoline and try to burn the entire car down. It just. And you don't do that anywhere near Colorado. <laughs> oh, this guy sucks. Like, we literally know that that's not true because he yeah. was connected to the Mercury, which by. Mm-hmm with literal you know forensic evidence like we know it was at two of the crime scenes yeah the only two crime scenes involved in this case that car was there like yeah we know that you're guilty we all know yeah it's the whole it's not my pants officer i don't know how the drugs got in there no idea like sitting here thinking i'm wondering if the reason why they did that even though he said like are you okay yeah sorry i was breathing and i didn't want to breathe into the mic Uh oh okay you caught me. I was. <laughs> I really like dying. Um, please don't. Um, not while I'm watching. I mean, I don't want you to die anyway, but I don't want to have to witness it either. Um, <laughs> I'll try really hard to make sure I'm not on camera when I die. <laughs> Thank you. I'll do. I'll do the same. Okay. It's a courtesy I will give you. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm like sitting here thinking. Because like you said, like Corbett was like, it's me. I'm, you know, it's me you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so I'm I'm thinking in the in Colorado at the time, um, the only way that you could get a death penalty sentence was that if you had a witness who like physically watched you murder someone or if you admitted to it. Oh. And so I'm wondering, like, he didn't want the death penalty. So he's like, it's not oh. me. It's not me. You know, after. Baby back yeah yeah exactly like i don't know if that's true but um that's just Uh, kind of what i'm wondering if maybe that's why they went that route so like we got all fired up for nothing (laughs) i mean still not not for nothing i shouldn't say because it's still a pussy thing to do especially you know you murdered someone you can't own up to it but whatever um Mm -hmm. so mary Coors ad's wife ends up testifying and um it just makes me so sad (laughs) like we know that she's you know torn up about this but devastated yeah her testimony was really brief, and a lot of people said that she, like, mm-hmm. she gave it through tears, but she essentially said what life had been like without Ad, you know, like a survivor's testimony type thing. Mm, yeah. Many believe that her testimony worked, even though it was, like, super tragic, um, because at the end of the 13-day trial, Joseph Corbett Jr. was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. <sighs> I don't like this guy. Say so normally I would say clap, but don't clap. Um, oh, Oh, this is the butt. Yeah. So Corbett was sentenced um, to his life sentence in the Colorado State Penitentiary, which is in Canyon City. In 1978, Adolf Coors, the fourth ad son, tried visiting Corbett in prison 
um, three different times. All three times, Corbett refused to see him. And on the third time, Coors eventually just gave up and gave to a guard a Bible with a note on top of it. On the note, it said, I want to forgive you for what you did to my family. And I ask your forgiveness for the hatred that we have had for you for all of these years. Oh, he's just trying to move on. It just makes me so sad. And that piece of crap can't even let that little what was probably he's a man a now boy. but yeah, yeah well but what younger boy at the time who when this all happened he can't even give him the courtesy of letting him move on i know well and what a strong thing to do this dude killed your father yeah. and to say like i want to forgive you like please forgive me yeah oh yeah for hating you like yeah. it, it takes a really strong person to yeah. do that yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, he wouldn't see him. So, and that was the last time that Coors tried to contact him. Um, in the 70s, uh, Colorado released a new state mandate that any inmate imprisoned for 10 years or more could receive a parole hearing regardless of the charges. What? Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case. I didn't look it up, but. Um, I hope not. Yeah, that's that, that happened. Um And while in prison, Corbett worked in the prison hospital and became a a licensed x-ray technician. And, like, the prison even went as far to say that he had, like, saved inmates' lives with his skills. It's because he didn't have a gun to shoot him in the back because that's his go-to. Like, congratulations for deciding not to be a piece of shit and a murderer. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. I just, whatever. Um... (laughs) In the late uh, 70s, Corbett applied for a work release program telling the board, quote unquote, I think the web of circumstantial evidence that was wrapped around me could have been wrapped around virtually anyone. Further years of imprisonment aren't going to make me a better person. I've come as far as I can go. Oh my God. And on December 12th, 1980, Corbett was released from prison as a free man. He murdered two people, escaped from prison once, and yeah. was called violent by many people and said that he was not, a, shouldn't have been a member of society pretty much. And he gets out again? Mm-hmm. And they said it was because he had good behavior in prison, just like why he was moved from the maximum to the minimum the first round. And because he nothing? You know, saved lives. I know. Whatever. Like, as far as we know, Corbett never committed any other crimes after this, hopefully. I I don't know. Um, So, like, once he was out, he lived a fairly normal life. um, And actually, neighbors of his were interviewed saying that, like, he seemed like a nice man and that they wanted to have a relationship with him. But he just was, like, not interested at all. Because clearly he can't trust himself to be a functioning member of society because if he talks to someone, he might kill them. Right. Yeah, maybe he made that decision. I I mean, he had jobs like, I don't know. He But his neighbor said that they wanted to be friends with him, but he wasn't interested. Trigger warning, uh, suicide, just so that's out there. Um, Mm. On August 2nd, 2009, Corbett was found in his apartment um, after he had died with a pistol near his head, leaving investigators to think that he had died by suicide at 81. Um, He left no no and no one claimed his remains. And that's that's that. I mean, oh my God, <laughs> it's not good. It's not. I know. Dying by good. suicide is terrible. No, yeah. it's horrible. And it's not. He should have just done the time for his crimes. 
and such a hard thing because right like yeah. i'm mad at him and i don't like him because he murdered someone yeah but like nobody deserves to die by suicide no so it's just such a yeah it's like that one of those gray area cases where yeah exactly and like clearly i mean i shouldn't say that i can't assume but you wonder if he felt guilty about what he did yeah you wonder if what the two murders that he committed weighed heavily on him and as a person who really believes in justice and believes that people should you know do the time for what they do yeah like clearly he didn't do the time in prison but he was in his own mental prison prison yeah Mm -hmm. but no one should have to experience suicide like that right yeah no i mean I mean, we could talk about this with any murderer, but, you know, he was, like, so smart and you just have Mm. to, like, and actually they said, like, as a boy that he wasn't attractive, you know, we, you know, the spiel. Yeah. Positive member of society. Like, we've heard the fucking spiel before, but it's just, like, what would his life have been if he had been um, medicated? Because I I still stick to that point when they said that he had schizoid Mm-hmm. Um, tendencies like if yeah. he had been medicated what would have happened you know if his mother hadn't died so suddenly and he wasn't yeah. like forced to live with his father who he didn't like like I said, yeah. we could talk about this with any murderer it's just such an unfortunate such an unfortunate story for everyone involved well and that's the nature versus nurture yeah. like was this in him or did it wake up because of how he was treated or is it a, it's always a little bit of both yeah and you just wonder if he had had a better if he had stuck it out with college, if he had had a better time yeah. kind of functioning, he could be like someone who invented something. Right. You know, he could have been a, a very functioning member of society and he could have been his own McMillionaire. Right. If it, if it's so true that he was this smart and like practically a genius, he could have done something with it and not even had to have taken ad away from his family. And not even get the money. <laughs> Was it like, I mean, he sent that letter. Well, no, because th- they think the letter was in his car before he even killed Ad. So then what was the fucking point? I don't know. Yeah. Why even send it? Why even send it? I mean. You know he's dead. Well, like maybe if he had sent that letter before he mo- went to Turkey Hill. Yeah. And like he literally had intentions of just kidnapping Ad for the money. I don't know. It's just so, I mean. It's just such an unfortunate, like, did you try to just get money and then you fucked up and so you murdered someone? Like, yeah. I don't know. It just sucks. <laughs> the whole thing sucks. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and it's, it's, it shows his later life too. No one's there to claim his remains. Yeah. So he was alone. He lived a, a hermit lifestyle and exactly. I mean, and maybe that's better. I mean, maybe I'm, it's sad that he clearly felt again i'm assuming um but he probably i mean i would assume he felt very alone to end his life and all of that and it's it's and to not leave a note too who would read it that he thought maybe right like he thought no one would need the explanation you know god you know and it um if he would have left a note to that family something he could have closed this which also kind of sucks so you're not gonna take your final step into allowing people to forgive you and have closure 
and you're not even going to write a letter to this family that you destroyed like not even apologizing right i just yeah it makes me so sad to think of like a grown man going to a prison yeah asking forgiveness for the man who murdered his father it just makes me so sad that yeah i i said it's just such an unfortunate thing story yeah for everyone i mean it is holy cow well that was a, a i'm sure very hard to research good job this was a heavy yes of course this was a heavy episode and it took a lot of focus and it did take a lot of focus which is why we had to record today instead of yesterday (laughs) which is okay so there it is there it is there's our episode whole hot damn hot damn (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah we we said it's heavy and hard but don't worry we're still gonna continue to do it so Yes, of course. <laughs> the The material is heavy and hard, but the chemistry is just popping with the two of us. The, the chemistry is so explosive between us. <laughs> it's just oozing right out of us. <laughs> <laughs> On that, ooze, ooze your note to me. I'm exploding with excitement. <laughs> All right. So this one's going to be true crime. Um, oh, sorry, I have to... Yeah, myself. T- take a deep it's, breath. I get well, it. It's well past my bedtime. My husband oh. is already asleep. <laughs> I would be asleep like 45 <laughs> minutes ago. All right. Hollywood has Mikey and Britain has Mary. Hmm. I made this one hard. I'm going to ponder this for the next week. <laughs> so say it again. Say it again. Hollywood has Mikey and Britain has Mary. I'm thinking real hard. It's it's another gray area case that makes me, I, it made me realize, and like this case here, it's making me realize that my brain's a little bit more black and white when it comes to shitty people. Yeah. And there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray with a lot of these cases where you can't just demand one outcome. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to think about this. It's going to drive me nuts. Think about it. I mean, I'm going to be shocked if you understand the Mikey part, because that is a that's a deep dive. <laughs> OK, OK. So. So good luck, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, um, everyone will know where we're going on the map because that's part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK. We'll see if I remember next week. Next week is a long <laughs> ways away. <laughs> I know. And um, clearly, we're doing great. <laughs> yeah. You know, we do have a Gmail. Like, I don't know. Do we want to? We People do. could email us with all the fun things yeah. that they have to say. Fun things you have to say. Um, fun stories yes. um, that you have. We'd be down with um, ideas of what you'd like us to look into. I mean, I know it's hard sometimes for me to really get my brain wrapped around one case. So, I uh, yes. So, go ahead. Tell them. Um, I will also leave it in the description of the episode, but it is thegrimmystics at gmail.com. Grim with two M's. Yep, I was going to say Grim has two M's. But yeah, there we go, friends. Another episode wrapped up and probably the the silliest. Definitely the silliest for not a silly topic, (laughs) but that's how we roll. Yes, it's how we roll. Um, We're exhausted, clearly. But it'll be a good night's sleep with my dog kamikaze jumping on my throat again, probably. <laughs> hey, your esophagus sounded great today. Thank you. It feels a little scratchy, but it'll be fine by next week. Yes, it will. 
All right, friends. All right, friends. Well, we're getting to the point where we're going to lose it even more. Yeah, it's time to go. Bye. (laughs) The Grim Mystics was written and produced by Amber Skribic and Leslie Gregg. The Grim Mystics episodes are edited by Leslie Gregg. Cover art was done by Leah Taylor. The Grim Mystics theme song was written and produced by Bear and Abby Golden. You can find the Grim Mystics on Instagram at the Grim Mystics. You can also follow the Grim Mystics on Facebook at the Grim Mystics. <laughs>